start your week brightly and restore your rhythm with Intune Radio. Business with Beats. Hi everyone, welcome to the Big Business with Beats show with myself and Darren Oliver. Hi there. Hiya. So we're, good. we're calling this one the Thank You Show. Well, we're calling it the Thank You Show because we have gained such traction, a marketing term there, but so many people uh, who have been involved with the show who were referred to as Intuners, but those of you out there in the community that have stopped by on LinkedIn or Facebook and helped push uh, our popularity around your social media networks now means that we are working towards becoming a 24-7 radio station broadcasting this summer fanfare amazing uh, really exciting stuff and also we're a registered community interest company now um, and we're just pulling out all the stops really to try and get programming together and musicality so that we can bring you the Shropshire people the community your first and only community interest radio station broadcasting from the heart of the county to um to the to everyone you know reaching, the world. All, those, <laughs> reaching all those four pockets of communities and that sort of thing and we want to hear from people but you know so much is happening in today's show i'm going to hand over to Derek to tell you more about that and we'll come back to this Derek, because this is just so exciting there's so much to talk about there certainly is, there certainly is. Right, everybody, what we've got on today's show is, as usual, we have some brilliant local bands. Uh, we have got Brad Hunter. We have got something for the weekend. We have got a wonderful debut single uh, play from Jordan Lee. Wow. Uh, we have got good old Tiny Towers. And uh, again, we've got Brad Hunter uh, as well. He's coming up twice. So also, as well as the wonderful music, we have got uh, Leanne Simcoe. She's from Little Stars Baby Bank. Uh, we have got Felicity Wingrove from Zen Communications. We have uh, Sarah Thomas, a really, really interesting interview with her about her experience of being a young carer. Uh, Joe Cooper will be talking about the Shropshire Community Foundation competition. And uh, last but not least at all, we have Paula Price uh, from the Women's Institute uh, with the uh, Shropshire Way Challenge. So you'll hear more about that later on. Intriguing. But firstly, are we going to hear from Brad Hunter? Thank you. 
Radio have a host of advertising and sponsorship packages available. To find out more, contact us at info at intune-radio.co.uk or find out more on our website, that's intune-radio.co.uk. So, Leanne Simcoe joins us from Little Star Shrewsbury. Leanne, thank you for taking some time out and letting us know a little bit more about Little Star's uh, Baby Bank, which I believe is gaining some ground in the Shrewsbury area. And it's a new charity that you have uh, evolved and your family are involved and you've had um, a, a, a strong personal reason to create the Baby Bank along the process of having some children yourself. Can you tell us a little bit more about maybe yourself, your background and how you come about the idea? Yeah, of course. And uh, thank you for having me on today's show. I really appreciate it. So Little Stars, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, you know, I've got got two young children. Um, My background is actually corporate. I work for a corporate company alongside running the charity. Uh, So I've got, um, so yeah, I'm a manager uh, as well. So I've kind of got that manager policies, procedures, all all of that that background (laughs) and that knowledge. And I was on maternity at the time. uh, And my son, as you, anybody that's got young children will know, they grow out of things very, very quickly. Um, And you've got this good quality item and you want to 
you know, and I wanted to get it out there to somebody that that would really benefit from it and, and need it. And yes. at the time, it was all, you know, just tail end of July 2020. Um, and my husband was like, well, if there's food banks, maybe there's baby banks. And that's where our search began. And we found actually there was nothing uh, in the area at that time okay. uh, to donate to. Yes. And so after a few conversations, I thought, well, why don't I give it a whirl and launch it? <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of snowballed from there, if I'm wow. honest. Uh, yeah. So um, <laughs> it, it's, been a, it's been a journey and it's been an incredible journey. And I'm meeting and networking, being introduced with people. And, and the main thing, I'm getting pre-loved items that are very good quality yeah. out to people that, that truly need them. So, I mean, you mentioned June 2020, and I suppose, when was the Baby Bank officially launched? Was it late last year or during lockdown? Or Yeah, so I kind of um, put out the feelers August 2020, so I had the idea just tail end of July, and then uh-huh. it was August 2020, because ultimately, for, for Little Stars to work, I needed the community to, to be wanting to donate because without those donations it was never going to work and thankfully the community were amazing and I had so many generous donations and what that enabled me to do then is go right yep we can get the items that we need so now let's go down the formal route and that's when and I put in the paperwork to become a charitable incorporated organization straight away yeah. So that we are a registered charity because what is also important for me and why I worked then um, for a couple of months before returning to work was doing policies and procedures because it was important for me to have the pro- professionals on board and having the confidence in what we're providing to to their clients and the people that they're they're liaising with is good quality and I needed that confidence to 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 shine through. Yes. Yes. So. It recently launched <laughs> it's yeah. a completely new venture what we're finding actually when we um, uh, when we do interviews like this there are so many uh, people that have uh, amazing ideas because maybe lockdown has allowed us uh, to have a little bit more time and think what do we need as a community lots of different things are happening and it's an incredibly exciting time now that we're coming out of lockdown we have lots of opportunity I don't know if you're finding that yourself yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, the opportunities for me are going from kind of the corporate world into the, the charity sector and seeing and having conversations with very like-minded people, different people, but also seeing generosity um, from the community uh, yes. and seeing that firsthand um, and having those conversations and people really relating um, to what I'm doing. And it, it, it was the conversations I'm having, it was almost like people were crying out for this to be able to go, yeah, this is exactly what we wanted. We wanted to get these items, but there was just no kind of avenue. Um, and seeing that kindness as well and how the community really just does wrap its arms around around people. Um, and I think that has definitely shone through throughout lockdown and, and, and has continued. Yeah. And where do you see the future for something like, baby bang that you're that you're doing i mean you know you you've probably you've been functional for a handful of months i suppose on reflection 
And it's very difficult to kind of decide where and how, but do you have like a, a future aspiration in mind where you want to take this project? Yeah, absolutely. I've kind of got my mini business plan, as it were, um, to go to go forward and and with ideas. So ultimately, at the moment, it's building up my networking with professionals uh, because that does take time. You know, it's not an overnight process. It it takes a long time to get that trust and, and those relationships built up as it does with anything. And, you know, I want to be able to be in a position where we can expand. We've, we've just moved to, to doing 0 to 5 um, donations. So having clothing for 0 to 5 rather than 0 to 6 months. Uh-huh. Space is still very limited. I'm not going to lie. We, we are struggling with, with, yeah. with the space limitations, but we're managing, you know, to, to, to do what with what we've got. And ultimately my kind of five year vision would be to even have a charity shop because I want little stars to be sustainable and to be able to have money coming in regularly but also to help not just those that are referred to us but if there are individuals that are just on the cusp um having a one-stop shop knowing oh I'll pop to little stars because actually that is children baby items only um, and I may be able to to pick something up, but then it's a one stop, you know, it's one shop that's dedicated yeah, to, yeah. to children. And again, I think we've got a big gap in our market um, with losing big chain stores mm, such as mm. Mothercare, yeah. where Toys R Us, where yeah. we were able just to go into and you'd be able to go to the, the Babies R Us section and grab baby stuff and same with Mothercare. And of course, those have gone now. Mm. Um, so there is a, like a real gap in terms of the children children market, I think. Um, I think you're so, right. Yeah. yeah. How exciting. <laughs> so um, people are coming to you by referral, therefore, mm-hmm at the moment and how do how do the referrals come through so as I mentioned they come through the professional organization and that can be your health visitor or it can be your local food bank um but somebody within a professional capacity because ultimately it's important to for me to ensure that these items um and donations do get to those that that truly need it um and that that is our our whole premise um because Mm -hmm. By and also it opens the door and it opens that communication for the family mm. that may need this help by going through a professional they're opening that conversation which actually could even open more doors to them to get even more help yeah of course and yeah. that is also important for me as well that 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 they could then can get a rounded knowledge um and 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 hopefully even more assistance yeah i think it's a great initiative um so if somebody is presumably they're in a position of having a child and then they're working with their health visitor and 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 so on and then maybe the health visitor may recognize the need but generally it's from the person to say to the health visitor I could really do with this and that and then what do they kind of bring you a referral is that how that happens? Yeah, so on our website, we have got a page for professionals to use for a referral Mm -hmm. um, and they can break down what is required. Sometimes what I have found um, through professionals that that have come to me that they've noticed that need is there. Yeah. And, um, you know, they've even used the phrase, I don't know what we do without without you now. Now I've been operating for eight months and I've had that impact 
um, you know, because I don't just help in Shrewsbury because ultimately the way that Shropshire is set up, it does mean that the professionals are actually traveling all over the place, all over the county. Uh, within mm. Shropshire and mm. so I don't just limit it to Shrewsbury no. right, if yeah. they've got somebody in another area absolutely 100% you know mm. um, it can be right on the edge of the border it doesn't matter to me it's it's as long as it's getting out to them um, so sometimes they'll recognize the need in the home yeah. if they are going to if they are going to the individual's house um, at other times yes it would be oh I I actually need help with X, Y, and Z. Can you help with that? And and it can vary to what they need. And, and we accommodate to that needs as well. Um, you know, if some have already sourced some items, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, but then they haven't sourced others. Um, we've just pre-moved into brand new stair gates and accepting brand new stair gates. Oh, excellent. Because that has come up a few times. Uh, about stair gates so that is something now that that we are are putting out um that we we can offer uh to 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 our to the individuals yes so this is so you're doing um new stair gates but generally items are pre-loved like clothes mm-hmm. and that sort of thing so presumably yeah. people can donate straight to you can they or how, how do you receive the pre-loved items what happens there yeah, so we 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 put a hold from November right up until just this week, actually, um, for yes. donations, so that we could do our bit to help with with the COVID pandemic, and to ensure that we didn't have people moving around because we had so much from when we were open um, from August to November that we were able to use those supplies. We, um, yeah, so the the donations were now open. It is on our, our Facebook page with opening times. We do ask for appointments to be made. Yeah. Again, it's to ensure that social distancing regulations as well. And it's a case of they just ring us when they're on site and we'll go out to them and, and go and pick up those donations and then on, on they go and on their way. So, <laughs> and then we quarantine them for 72 hours. Yeah. So. <laughs> right, okay. And then um, you mentioned um, people have um, uh, packs, baby packs or packages. Uh, um, how do you, You're flexible with those, I think you said. Yeah. So um, is it... Is it for the health visitor to kind of think, oh, there's a, a definite need for X, Y, and Z? Or, it, you know, how do the packages happen and, you know, what's generally included in the package per se, for instance? Yeah, so what I created um, for the professional organisations, which I literally blasted with all our information, <laughs> was, a, was what I labelled um, referral partners. Yeah. Um, within this referral partners pack, it included what we would be able to to provide, what kind of what comes within within our packages. So if they've got uh, a baby. Um, or a newborn, mum's pregnant, then we will also provide mum with a hospital bag essentials. Oh, because cool. Right. Sometimes what you find is that mum is concentrating on baby and not herself. So mm. we like to just put a little pat. Now that will include the essentials with your maternity pads, your breast pads, but also shampoo, conditioner, shower gel, hand gel now that's um, now in (laughs) there Um, (laughs) yeah toothbrush toothpaste and it's literally a go bag it's very simple Um, it costs because all of those items do need to be brand new people do donate um, 
the maternity pads, breast pads, etc. And they do. Um, Morrison Shrewsbury has been an amazing support of Little Stars. Oh, so wow. I really want to shout out Morrison's and Carla yeah. because Carla, um, I got in touch with them uh, just before Christmas, and they've set up uh, the food trolley type thing where you can pick and grab. Yeah, yeah. So she looks at the wish list, what's on there, puts things in that comes to certain amounts. Customers go in, pick up the grab bag, pay for it. And that has been an amazing oh, resource wonderful. for us. Yeah. yeah, it's incredible what Carla's done. So big shout out to to Morrison's Shoesbury for that. Um, because actually that's relieved a lot of pressure because, of course, shower gel, shampoo, conditioner, you know, yes, it, it, it's three pounds. But when you're giving out those packs, I mean, that pack can cost 10, that pack costs 10 pounds per, per mum to put together so when we've got those coming in um from either donations from what people have had left over because you do buy extra boxes or you know from morrison's it's really alleviated that kind of financial for us um Mm. especially because we're so new and we're only starting to look at funding now wow so i mean you're accepting donations presumably Mm -hmm um and the there's potential from the business arena to sponsor as well one would consider maybe they could sponsor a pack or i mean what kind of opportunities would you kind of consider uh, to be honest i i am open to ideas <laughs> i am absolutely 100 yeah. percent because this is a whole new world to me yes. um you know i'm i'm learning fast i'm learning a lot it's incredible um you know but yeah absolutely it, you know that there is many ways in which a corporate company could help um, and sponsor and support us, whether that be maybe through space, because space is very, very yeah. limited for us, um, because then that also reduces the the number that I can actually have help, which is why it's it's a lot of family <laughs> that, that kind of chip in. Um, they kind of just got roped in, bless yeah. them. Um, don't know what they thought they were in for. Um, but yeah, so there is that. We, we deliver bundles we you know so at the moment we're using our own personal cars yeah again that that is not always ideal um because not everyone has the space because if we're dropping off a a, 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 an absolute full bundle which is pram moses basket wow i didn't realize prams oh my word yeah clothing um nappies wipes toiletries baby toiletries you know if it's the full package it's lucky I've got an estate car um, <laughs> in that respect. But, yeah. You know, so it's generally, our, you know, going on us. So again, you know, the, 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 the possibilities are endless yeah. um, for, for, for how somebody could help, not just in a monetary way, but, but in other ways as well. And, and BMW did loan us their electric mini. Uh, a couple of weeks ago to help us with some of those those deliveries uh, which was fantastic yeah so I mean this is uh, the crux of it these days and what has come to the fore I believe uh, probably pre-lockdown but I think lockdown has accelerated people's mindsets of local community and what can we do to help but also what, what can we do to help charities because charities money is a wonderful thing but it doesn't necessarily buy it's not necessarily stuff that you always want to buy you actually need help you need expert help you need integral help you need help for the building blocks 
to help you on that pathway. Um, and I think what you've mentioned there, there's great opportunity for businesses to, to get involved. And, and, and you know, um, from the business perspective, there's always a, a balance between their, um, the social responsibility uh, funds that larger companies have uh, smaller businesses don't necessarily have an endless pot of money, but they have maybe a few hours here and there where they can help. Um, or maybe, like you've mentioned, they've got a, an area within their premise that is no longer being used. Maybe it's a bit of, re- bit of redundant space and they could help there. Maybe they could sponsor. Uh, and part of the offering is to is, you know, if they're a vehicle hire company or a, or a delivery company, maybe they could get um, some of your items delivered. I think we should try and get the structure area mobilized really to consider how can they help little stars and to contact you. That would be incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, again, we we got our status in in September 2020 this is this has already been eight months and and when I look at what what Little Stars has achieved in eight months Mm. and I just want Little Stars to grow I want it to be a name that's known in the county across Shropshire that is there to help because ultimately long after Covid um, and the impacts that COVID has had with the, with people going on furlough, not knowing their job security, which of course, you know, to add a baby into that mix as well, yeah. and 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 you know, the items for babies are not not cheap things. Then no. they're really not. And long after all of this is settled down, there there are still going to be those families that just need that little helping hand yeah. and just want to, want, you know, and that's all we're about. We just want to give them a step up, just yeah. give them a little helping hand and go, here you go. Here is all, all this stuff. So you don't need to worry about it. And yeah. removing that financial stress, that emotional stress that, that can happen. Um, because it is, it is a huge time. Mm. So, um, so yeah, so our kind of future vision is to be longstanding within the county um, and, and, and keep providing this service. Yeah, maybe further afield, because to be honest, I, I think what, you, what you're pulling together is something quite unique and very appealing. And even from the name, it's very, it's very apt, you know, and it's caring and it, and it creates, it, for us, it, for me, it conjures up all of the relevant associations really with a you know a caring charity that has babies and mothers at the heart of what they do um 100 so how, how do we contact you we've mentioned <laughs> we've mentioned people getting contact you for all sorts of things and you've oh got yeah <laughs> stuff on your website that people can fill in and email and and so forth so what's the best what's the best route forward yeah so if you do want to kind of have more information about what we do and have a look at what we what we've already achieved and what what we've set up if uh, our website has all of that information which is uh, www.littlestarsbabybank.co.uk you can always drop me an email uh, which is littlestarsbb at outlook.com um so those are the the kind of best we are on facebook instagram twitter linkedin Well, <laughs> you know you are there i did a, a search for little stars shrewsbury just in the old google and uh you popped up so look you know people can find you on facebook etc and you know there's varying platforms that people can see what you've been doing and get excited about it and maybe there are some business out there that can help with a real leg up you know from a variety of perspectives so 
very exciting times. I'm really pleased that you've evolved something that you're obviously incredibly passionate about. And it's also a service that's incredibly well needed. And I just applaud what you've done, Leanne. You've come a long way in such a short space of time. And, you know, the connection to the local community is starting to shine through. So, um, like we tip our hats and we wish you well. Thanks for joining us. And I think we'll we'll touch base maybe again in six months and see where you're at. How exciting. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you, Leanne, for joining us. Leanne Simcoe. Thanks, Wayne, and thank you for having me. Pleasure. Intune Radio have a host of advertising and sponsorship packages available. To find out more, contact us at info at intune-radio.co.uk or find out more on our website, that's intune-radio.co.uk. Oh, thanks so much to Leanne Simcoe for that interview with Wayne. Uh, just wonderful that we've got such a, a new and important charity out there with Little Stars Baby Bank. Uh, the next we have Something for the Weekend with their cover of Michael Jackson's Beat It. And then... And then, yeah, we're going to catch up with Felicity Wingrove from Zen Communications, who has, let me say, I can refer to her specialism as linguistic stuff. So the value of words and the emphasis that we put on them and the words that we use to create uh, connections. It's very, very interesting subject. Let's hear, though, first from something for the weekend.
Kaya Felicity joining us from Zen Communications. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your very busy PR coach mentor work schedule. Felicity has been working in the in the uh, amazing world of linguistic stuff, I'm allowed to say, uh, for some time, some 20 odd years. And she's been an exponent of uh, amazing PR strategies for companies, I think even on a worldwide basis. And uh, it's just a delight to have some insight into what is the um, largest subject matter of linguistics. Felicity, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And what a delicious introduction. Thank oh, my word. What a word to use. Delicious. Oh. We're already off to some linguistic bounce here. Um, Felicity, tell us a little bit more about you, how you've um, come through the ranks, as it were, of, um, of education and, and decided to do your PR and linguistics. I mean, talk to us. Oh, do you know, with the fact that you're calling it linguistic stuff, I am actually going to go and get new business cards now because I think that's probably the best descriptive I've heard of, oh, of all the geekery that we do. Um, so I'm a psycholinguist, um, wow. which means I'm literally, my degree is in the essentially grammar. Grammar, psychology of language, all the nuanced stuff, like a proper, proper geek, um, the kind of person that you would normally sit in the corner at a party. Um, but luckily, behavioral psychology has become, over the last probably two or three years, it's become like the really cool kind of sexy thing, the shiny, shiny that everybody loves. So suddenly, wow. yeah, we're really popular again now, which is quite nice. So psycholinguistics has come of age and suddenly it's a, it's a cool profession. I was even asked to give a careers talk recently which just made me chuckle. So, um, yeah, not a, not a bad career path in the end. Yeah, it's so important. I mean, PR is all about helping a brand or an organisation to establish um, a relationship, a positive relationship with the people that matter to them. And actually, linguistics, psycholinguistics, is about using language to create an emotional connection. And we all do it. You know, you don't have to have a psychology or behavioural psychology background to understand that we flex how we speak, depending on who we're speaking with, we might ramp it down a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're talking to someone who's more moderate, paced, and a little bit more considered, you're not going to be a children's TV presenter because that disconnect is going to be far too great. You're not going to build rapport with them. But equally, when you're talking to someone like yourself, it's important that you bring a little bit more, a little more enthusiasm, a bit more pace and tone and variety. Um, so it isn't just what you say. It's all about how you say it as well. Well, that's just delicious. <laughs> I love that <laughs> that's a kind I love of it. it is actually. It's making me hungry, funnily enough. Um, an amazing background, therefore. So, you know, what kind of experience have you had? What kind of uh, brands have you worked with, if you don't mind me asking? Or um, yeah, no, of you course, know, campaigns. Or what, where do we know you from? Maybe in our normal lives, if you like. So I've, I've been really lucky. I've worked on some amazing accounts. Um, and, you know, um, I, I looked after external comms for BAE systems, for air systems. So doing some first flights of, of aircraft like the um, uh, the Nimrod back in the day. So geeky mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I worked on the army, the coming together of the territorial army and the, the regulars. Um, but I set Zen up uh, 13, coming on 14 years ago. Um, and we've specialized in sort of scientific and technical. So although the brands are global, um, businesses yeah. like Eurofins, for example, they're not necessarily uh, brands that, that people um, would know or would recognise or that would come into their homes on a daily basis. So we work for, for some really fantastic organisations across the world wow. um, doing, doing training, doing, um, you know, script writing, copywriting, PR and reputation management. 
um, and just helping them to connect with the people that matter to them, bringing a little bit of sparkle. Yeah. You, I mean, you, you talk about linguistics and stuff. I mean, I had a, um, a little bit of a, an insight like, several years about years ago about NLP. So I suppose some of the things that you mentioned in terms of words used and pace, I can, I can reflect a little bit back to that kind of information I absorbed back then. And, yeah, I kind of remember that it was to do with um, kind of matching or reflection of the people that you're speaking with so that there's a, a commonality and a connection um, rather than a, a differentiation, if you like. And uh, yeah, that seemed to help along, you know, negotiation or uh, conversation and so on. Yeah, so NLP is like the sister science to psycholinguistics, and um, it works on the basis of, of how you can deliberately build rapport. And rapport is that state, you know, when you meet someone and you start having a conversation and you just kind of connect, you get it. You, you, it, you can feel it. You can feel that you're, you're aligned, you're, that the conversation's flowing easily, you like each other the whole thing's just not hard work. That's when you're in rapport. And yeah. actually, if you can get into rapport, with pretty much anyone that you're communicating with deliberately and quickly, then that's going to be a great thing for you in your work life, in your home life, you know, at the school gate, it's going to make your life a lot easier and you're going to be more compelling. So within within NLP, what you're talking about, matching and mirroring, Mm -hmm. it's the idea that you find commonality and sameness with people. So if someone is leaning back and stretching out with really open body language, if you do the same, they're going to subconsciously recognize that sameness. But the problem yeah. is a lot of secondhand car salesmen yeah. learned NLP on a one weekend course and they <laughs> they went to town with this matching mirroring and it became mimicry. So you'd scratch their head, they'd scratch theirs. You, you, and it yeah. all became a little bit awkward. It was like dad dancing, you know, that kind of thing when you, you kind of, you, you want to look away, but you can't and it's painful and awful and, so NLP got a really bad rap. And actually, it's a really powerful technique. And NLP itself is, is really, it's an exciting discipline. But yeah, be, be really careful with matching and mirroring. It's got to mm. be really authentic. You know, you, you're not yeah. doing some kind of, you know, dance step that you're following off TikTok. You know, this is something that <laughs> actually is a little bit more, a little bit more grounded and real. You're quite right because I think now I I'm very I'm a little bit well versed in, in in the mirroring and when um, you know that you're maybe across a desk of someone that is probably very interested in you becoming part of their um, business uh, proposal you kind of find yourself understanding that actually part of the situation that's going on here is to try to connect with the person or yourself on a, on a differing level and you can start to see through it now um like you say it's got a bit of a bad rap so i mean what kind of advice do you give to when you should use it how you should use it um should we use it at all basically and just focus on other things Completely. Absolutely, we should. I mean, everything that I do is around helping people to communicate in the most compelling way. And what you do, you need to recognize. Here's a lovely phrase for you. So your truth is not the truth. We all come into communication and conversation assuming that we're completely neutral. We're shiny, clean and white and lovely. And and we're not. We're bringing absolute bagfuls of baggage behind us. Yeah. And so what that means is when someone's communicating with us, we're, we're interpreting things through almost stained glass window sunglasses. And each stained glass piece 
is different and unique to us. And it's made up of, of our lived experience of what people said to us in the playground, of what happened to us this morning, of whether we had a good commute into work, whether we had a good breakfast. It, it alters what we see. And when we recognize that, we recognize that our reaction to what someone's saying to us may not actually be real. It may not be valid. That might not be what they meant. They're going to have their own filters running as well. So I guess my, my, my first bit of advice is your truth is not the truth. It doesn't make it any less truthful for you. It doesn't mean you're not you know, living it and feeling it and believing it. But just pause for a second and check in. Is that actually what they said or is that what you made it mean? this is the kind of the psychoanalytic element of it does this kind of like drop into different places um i'm kind of thinking you know uh, psychotherapists for instance you know they probably have uh, obviously a different perspective because it's all about well i mean i don't know what it's all about presumably it's about (laughs) understanding and directing uh, you know um uh, filtering through those uh, thoughts and emotions and then coming to a a common ground and understanding um so that when you're um facing that kind of thing again maybe your reaction can be you know a little bit more you know uh, in keeping with how is beneficial to react so do do you is there some kind of correlation there or Oh, no, completely. So psycholinguistics, you know, lot, uh, there aren't many of us out there. It's a, it's a very niche specialism, but but we've gone into all sorts of areas. The majority of psycholinguists that you'll meet will be in labs in universities doing you know, statistically relevant research about yeah. um, about how we motivate, infuse, empower society at large. Um, but actually an awareness of language and a sensitivity to the words that we use covers coaching, covers um, psychology, psychotherapy, psychiatry. You know, they're, yeah. they're all taught within their specialisms to be mindful of the words that they use and to, to look for trigger words. You know, there are certain words out there that are the equivalent of a hand grenade, if you're going to use them, they mean something completely different to people. You can't control what someone thinks and they might actually take them to not, you know, a not great place. And that's not what you want. If you're looking at brands, if you're looking at promotion and PR and, and engagement, what you want is to, um, to have a reassuringly deliberate reaction that's yes. positive. So we avoid certain words. And there are other words that are brilliant, you know, really lovely, positive words. So you might use a word like uh, proud, for example. Mm-hmm. Proud, your understanding of that word and mine are going to be subtly different. But I can 95% be sure that they're going to be positive And you're yes. going to have some grounded emotional connection to that word that I can use to help build rapport with a brand or with an organization. So... Uh- can we have examples of what, you know, a couple of these kind of negative hand grenades, for instance, that people should avoid? Obviously, you know, bearing in mind that we uh, we toe the line of uh, decency, not the, like, the <laughs> thing that any of those are kind of being decent. But um, well, some trigger uh, uh, hand grenades would be... <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay. So, um, so a, a, a trigger word is essentially just a word that has a really broad definition it doesn't have to be a word that is offensive in any way and most likely it's not it's not a word that's profane or a word that is uh, discriminatory it's it's just an ordinary word um disappointed is a trigger word for example yeah so because it's going to have a really firm association and attachment to an emotional state 
So if, and this is particularly if you're talking about someone being disappointed in you, for example, the reason it's a trigger word is it's going to trigger you into shame, which at an emotional level is a really, really crappy place to be. And no one wants to be there. So what usually Mm -hmm. happens is you get a flick back emotionally into, um, into kind of a rebellious almost pushing back fighting back against it and what you're going to get then is you're going to get a combative conversation does that make sense it makes amazing sense and a word like delicious (laughs) (laughs) delicious is a great word um we all have sensory preferences so um some people describe the world in visual terms some people do it in auditory and others do it in feeling so kinesthetic yeah whereas a word like delicious actually can sit across all of those that's really interesting because I've done um, profiling and it came out um, that I was kinesthetic. And actually, you're probably the first person that I've heard in a conversation use that phrase because a lot of people kind of refer to auditory or, or one of the others. And actually, you're the first person that's actually said, actually, they're more kinesthetic than that. It's just like, of course, you, you deal with it all the time. And kinesthetic is people may or may not be aware it's all it is all about feeling and actually if you kind of think that um the words that you use um if you're speaking with someone that's auditory and more about sound and you kind of confirm it with does that sound okay for them it will sound okay but to a kinesthetic person does that feel okay and actually they'll be more on board because they feel they feel more than than sound And, and i think you we all bounce around in the in the whole spectrum but generally that's where you sit it's it's remarkably interesting stuff, isn't it? It is. And it's really it's really simple. That's the thing. Mm. You know, um, I've, I've studied for a very long time behavioral psychology, neurolinguistic programming, wow, psychology, yeah. psycholinguistics, all of that stuff. And actually, while lots of people try to make it sound desperately complicated, it isn't. This is just about the brain is a supercomputer and it runs a number of programs as any computer will. And if you can recognize what those programs are, you can get rid of the ones that no longer serve you. You can enhance the ones that do help you get where you want to go and help you do what you want to do. You bring awareness to them. And it's kind of that straightforward. So that probably uh, would have simplified about 10 years worth of study if someone had just explained that to me at the beginning. (laughs) Oh, that's excellent. So where where do you practition then i mean in terms of um the linguistic stuff are you co- yeah. you're coaching people are you uh, specifically one-on-one or yeah yeah i'm not doing group coaching yet i'm hoping to bring a program out that, that's going to be more accessible later this year um it's kind of on the list to do so i've got two little ones under six and a couple of businesses oh, which keep yeah. me between all of that it kind of keeps me out of mischief which is always a good thing um <laughs> the, the coaching is is one-to-one it's mainly with um ceos and board members of of client organizations and usually they've got it they, they've either got an important speech to give and they yes. want to show up as their team need them to, or it's more general. They just want to be more compelling and deliberate in their communication. So I'll do some one-to-one work with them, three, four, five sessions, just helping them understand what they're saying and bringing awareness to that, how they're saying it. So pitch, tone, intonation, looking at things like body language, hand gesture, you know, how they're physically showing up. Um, and, and this could be a speech to, you know, 200 people, or it could be standing on one of the big, um, sort of auditorium stages and they've got 7,000 in front of them. It's how they kind of really own them, their, their message and stand in their power. Yeah. I love it. I get to do this for a living. I literally. know. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, you must see like 
you know, they evolve in almost like the, uh, the, the, the chrysalis butterfly metamorphosis where maybe someone in front of you is so nervous about sort of things that are, are coming up and, and yet they work with you and then are able to deliver it in a really compelling way. You oh, do you know, I'm so completely, I'm so proud. I mean, they're usually, the, the guys that I'm dealing with, and it is mainly guys, just because the nature of, of business here in the UK, you know, CEOs, I think we're on like, at least nine out of 10 of them are, are men. Yeah, um, yeah. They're not usually too nervous. Usually they're really um, constrained. You know, they've kind of gotten to where they've gotten by, by you know, keeping quite a straight face and, and, and you know, they're, they're quite sort of boxed in. And actually, when you're standing on stage delivering a really compelling speech, you need to be more authentic. You need to be bigger and bolder and open yourself more and take the mask off. That's the stuff they really struggle with. But yeah, I get I get really proud of them when I sort of hear these amazing <laughs> speeches. I'm, I'm like the proud mama standing at the back of the That's room. That's awesome. Cheering. Yeah. <laughs> I think as well, um, you know, in our industry, and I say our industry, I work with brand web and et cetera, you know, the the whole kind of um, brand personality thing has come to the fore remarkably mm. so in the last sort of five years. Uh, those who are out networking in the early noughties were probably doing it back then. And, it, you know, when you're out networking, it's no like trust. And you have to bring the guard down and evolve who you are so people can connect with you. So the kind of things that you're referring to, it's almost – for me anyway, it's, it, it makes so much sense because, of course, if you do want to connect with people, you can't do it in a what would be a, a, appear to be in a robotic almost, I'm not going to let the smile mm. enter my face until like uh, I've finished my speech. Um, and we need to connect with people because we're all human, you know, and if we, that's who we're dealing with. Oh, completely, completely. And it's it's so important that we do stand in our, I talk about standing in your authentic power. So, you know, a lot of people will get high up in their career by by almost putting a mask on and being who they think they need to be. Yeah. But you can smell that. You can smell it on them. You can smell inauthenticity. We've all been there when there's someone and you just, you, it might just be that you don't trust them or, or you don't quite like them or there's just something that's a bit off. Yeah. And more often than not, they're, they're, they're decent people. What's off is that they're kind of pretending and 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 so yeah it, it it just you you have to drop that if you're going to be standing on stage and delivering speeches and things you have to drop that and you have to show up as you really need to but it isn't just about stage work it's about one-to-ones it's about being a really um a really powerful team leader or manager or you know just really compelling when you're standing up and presenting ideas to a client when you're pitching mm-hmm. bringing an awareness to the language that you're using understanding what their preferences might be and then pivoting what you're saying to be most open and most accessible to them is a gift. You're giving them the gift of easy, empowering conversation. It's interesting you say those things as well. I mean, I can, I'll reflect back in the kind of the scenarios that I've found myself in. And when we talk about companies connecting to a target audience, we always find it strange that sometimes that people that aren't experienced or have insight are making fundamental decisions about what they feel to be the correct colorways or the correct uh, Mm. language used. Uh, They don't really understand the target audience. Maybe they're not the target audience. And we Mm. find, therefore, that there's an absolute conflict. So we kind of set ourselves a little target to to let people that we're working with understand the fact that they're probably not the best person mm. to make those fundamental decisions and to actually let the research undertaken dictate the way that we need uh, to communicate. Mm. Uh, and that's where we see much better results. I mean, it's, it sounds mm. obvious, 
But there are still companies that are making decisions about their branding, their marketing, and they shouldn't be really. They should be open to research, understanding the target market, uh, and letting that information flow through so that they then kind of realize, oh, actually, if we change this and that, we're going to sell more or do more. I mean, it's yeah, completely, completely. Yeah. And and you know, you need to put yourself in the shoes of your target audience and recognize what they care about. You know, we talked about the, the computer programs in the brain. Yeah. We all have. They're called meta programs, and um, wow. we all have about. You know, some people say sixty. Some say you know into the hundreds of these programs running and their preferences. And it could be that you're a big global person. You're big picture. You want to know you know the the absolute you know chunks right up big picture. Or you could be really really detail. And it, your preference is not likely to be the preference of the people you want to sell to. So yes. you need to get the research in. You need to really understand what motivates them. Mm fascinating stuff it really really is so what's the future for um for felicity um i'm writing a book at the moment actually oh. <laughs> it was. Yeah, which is really exciting <laughs> yeah i've always wanted to so i'm literally my other half is a is a business coach and he's written three one of yeah. which is an amazon bestseller and he does smug face no about it all the time so not that i'm not proud of him because i am um, but as the only person in our family who is actually qualified to write a book, I decided that I would step up and do that. Um, <laughs> so I, I need to get that finished up. It's actually around PR um, and it's it's supporting the work that I do with Zen um, and uh, the kind of promotion protection defense type stuff. Yeah. Um, but the language mastery business is is flying. It's called the ultimate advantage. Um, we're just looking at, at kind of landing that and, and, and progressing it. We're doing a lot of work with sales teams um, across the globe, actually, a lot a lot of mainland Europe at the moment. Um, and, and that's really flying. So I'm not quite sure where that's going to go this year. Most importantly, my, my youngest is turning three at the weekend. So <laughs> huge celebrations around that. And, and my eldest is turning six in the summer. So, yeah, I think it's just going to be a bit of a, a bit of a crazy time, a few months as we come out of lockdown and, and start to, uh, well, the world starts turning again. But, mm. but lots going on from the business side, lots going on from home and just kind of keeping out mischief, which is probably a good thing. Yeah, I think it is. So if somebody wants to impart um, some linguistic stuff, then <laughs> they need to get in contact with yourself, Felicity. And how would they do that? Um, so we've got the, the uh, Zen website that they're welcome to contact me through there. So that's zen-communications.co.uk. Um, social media wise, LinkedIn is my love platform just because uh-huh. from the business perspective. And I'm just a, so it's linkedin.com forward slash Felicity Wingrove. Um, otherwise, just connect in. Um, Zen's got a, a Facebook page and Instagram. You know, um, you can connect with me through that. But just reach out. Anyone who has any language geekery, I, um, you have a, a kindred spirit here, and it would be great to hear from you and, and connect. Wonderful. Thank you for joining us, Felicity. Um, and we're going to touch base with you in a few months' time to see how you're getting on with your book <laughs> and how the birthday parties have gone over the summer. Um, we wish you all the best. Thank you for joining us. It's been an amazing insight and some little tips and tricks along the way. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been delicious. It's been <laughs> <soon. laughs> quality. Bye. Intune Radio have a host of advertising and sponsorship packages available. To find out more, contact us at info at intune-radio.co.uk or find out more on our website. That's intune-radio.co.uk. Well, I tell you what, I've learned an awful lot from that uh, that I really didn't know. (laughs) I'll be using the word delicious more often, I think. (laughs)
But um, yeah, just f- phenomenal stuff from, um, and it's only an insight, of course. So uh, it's probably worth having, uh, learning a little bit more about some linguistic stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, all right, coming up on the show, we have got the debut single from Jordan Lee, who wow. is such a talented young musician. Uh, really looking forward to, to hearing him. And then we have Sarah Thomas. Sarah Thomas uh, did an interview with us, um, which I personally really, really found incredibly moving, incredibly interesting uh, with her experience of being a young carer. She had an awful lot of um, information um, and uh, just insight into the lives of, of, to be fair, an awful lot of of young people that we may not realise have have a, a big responsibility in their lives as well as the usual uh, responsibilities that children have of schooling etc so yeah Sarah Thomas is a really interesting interview coming up yeah yeah and, and she provided us with some information of course as well which we mentioned during the interview but there's uh, additional uh, information on our side that Sarah's provided uh, should you know of or be a young carer um she explains it far more eloquently during the interview but the resources are on our website that's intune-radio.co.uk absolutely but before that before we that. have more info about um oh. the plans afoot at uh, intune radio <laughs> <laughs> the plans have been stuck to me foot for a little while Terry. <laughs> it's just amazing Firstly, we've just got to say, I've got to tip my hat and say a big thank you and a hug when hopefully, you know, we can all get back to normal. When we're allowed. Firstly, for all the Intuners that are working with us for free to help evolve what we're doing. Um, Everyone's kind of skilled and they're bringing some time to the table, a handful of hours per week, but it's helping us gain momentum to becoming a radio station a fully-fledged radio station. So as I said earlier, we have registered as a community interest company uh, radio station. So that in itself I have found amazing because it's been approved and stamped and et cetera, so we're moving forward with that. And then um, there's a whole host of things going on which is going to allow us to work towards broadcasting 24-7 online this summer. I mean... You know, the dream has come true. Six months ago, we had a vision of doing a few showcasts and whatever. And the Christmas showcast that we did with the Shrewsbury Rock Choir and the National Rock Choir uh, single release, which eventually went to iTunes number one, would you believe, over a Christmas period. It just means the, the traction that we got from that, and I use a marketing term again, but um, uh, the popularity of the show, the amount of times it streamed, has taken us into the top 50% of, um, of podcasts worldwide. And, and there are millions, millions of podcasts, and we're in the top 50% with that one show alone. And then we continue, and the response that we've had from the community, from businesses, from charities that wish to uh, get involved with this has just now been incredibly phenomenal. And we have a surge. We've got almost a tidal wave going down the River Severn. <laughs> of interest of people demanding now that we do this and do this we will we're going to do it so we're looking for foundation partners and our foundation partners are going to invest um some time and some finance so we can bring this whole thing to fruition and we're already having conversations with people about it 
If you wish to find out more about becoming a foundation partner, you can go to our website, that's intune-radio.co.uk, and download our media pack, which tells you all the wonderful things that have been happening on this journey so far. But it's changing so rapidly that if you are seriously interested, please contact us on the email given, that's info at intune-radio.co.uk and very quickly because I could talk about this forever Darren I do apologize <laughs> he certainly can he certainly can <laughs> it's so exciting we're looking for about six foundation partners and we're so flexible in making it work for you and the PR alone that we'll get from it will mean that your company um, is thrust into the limelight this summer. I mean it is so exciting and also we'll be catching up with you in your business once a month as well as lots of other um, interesting things on social media that you can be part of and link up with different charities. And um, you can real feel a, a part of the local community because without your support and your finance invested, we will not be able to achieve this. We're already speaking to several companies about it. And like I say, currently we're looking for six partners. So if that is you, if you're listening to this show and you want to become part of Shropshire's only community interest company radio station that has the community at heart that has business with beats that supplies a platform for local musicians artists and bands to get their music out there and i've not even mentioned that we're speaking with a record label that is the largest (laughs) record label in the country about spotlighting some of the acts the bands that we uh, are already in contact with but more are out there i know and please contact us It is just phenomenally interesting and please consider getting involved. It's just amazing. (laughs) Jerry, I don't know what else you can add. Or just I, I think, I think to be fair, you've probably done the the excitement enough. <laughs> I mean, not to add anything, but yeah, as, as Wayne said, it is it is so phenomenal that uh, this has um, emerged from a, a small idea that Wayne has had for a little while, mentioned to me, and yeah, I, I can't believe where we are now that we're actually a CIC and uh, and all the ideas that are coming in um, and. So much interest that we've had. It is. It's. It's just. It's just phenomenal. It is phenomenal. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll go on. Sorry. No, I was going to say. Well, talking. We better move it on a bit, haven't we, Wayne? A little bit. But talking. (laughs) Talking about phenomenal. We have now got the uh, debut single from Jordan Lee. Oh, bittersweet. Thank you, bittersweet. Frozen in time And the world gone blind Hands covered eyes Backs turned on all of the sin Tipping scales right Favor left or right And it's all for money We don't wanna come down, down Concealed chains hold us to the ground We don't have no power that we are meant to bow We don't want to come down, down But they want us medicated Till all three thought is faded It's been sweet at the moment Weaponized minds Destructive designs Waiting for the bomb to drop And hope that we are winning Close your eyes and you forget it for a minute 
who's a peer support manager at Shift MS in uh, Shrewsbury. And we're going to be discussing carers, young carers. Where are the kind of grey lines? Where do we uh, kind of sit when somebody asks us, what do we do for a relative, a loved one? Is this caring or is this um, just kind of looking after our wife, husband, daughter, mother? And... 
Sarah has some experience from growing up of being a young carer and actually some great statistics have come out. But actually, Sarah is very much under the impression, and rightly so, we believe, that not everybody will come forward, particularly if they're under, say, 16 years of age and identify as a young carer. Sarah, thank you for sparing some time and uh, having a chat with us about what we understand is very dear to your heart that you've grown up with. Um, thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. The, the world is yours. Tell us all about yourself and, and, and your thoughts on young carers. So um, my background obviously is that of a young carer. I've been a young carer since I could walk really. So um, my mum has multiple sclerosis and she's had that for uh, well over 40 years now. So before my uh, before I was born, she'd had multiple sclerosis for some years Um, and she has a level of progression. So she was kind of progressed throughout my childhood. Um, So I've had different levels of care and responsibility throughout my childhood. So from the time that I could walk, really, I'd be fetching my own shoes and just doing some bits for myself that maybe sort of toddlers wouldn't necessarily do. Um, And then as I got older, one of the uh, things that I enjoyed the most was when I was taught how to do injections. I thought that was thrilling. Um, So eight years old, I went into a hotel uh, with a few other people and we all learned how to inject oranges and it, that for me was just the absolute pinnacle of excitement. Um, and I actually did inject my mum for quite a few years wow. um, from about eight years old upwards, which I at the time had no realisation um, that that wasn't normal or that was something that maybe other children didn't do. Um, so I think throughout my childhood, I very much thought that I was the norm and everybody else was weird. Mm. Um, so <laughs> I always found that... Um, other mums who worked and could walk properly and things like that really threw me completely. I used to be like, what's wrong with your mum? Are you okay? Is, is that okay? Um, so it was very much the way that my life went through my childhood. Um, it's, it very much thought that everything I was doing was was perfectly normal and I was very happy with it and still look back and don't feel that anything was uh, wrong or, or a problem with it. Uh, I think it's just that you do end up becoming quite a lot more independent. So I would, uh, my mum quite often tells a story about when I was trying to make my own sandwich at about five years old and I couldn't actually reach the worktop um, because I was still <laughs> so short and so little, but I was really giving it all a good go because I kind of felt that fierce independence at a very young age of just getting on with things, um, which is one of the biggest assets I think that I've taken into adulthood but um I did a lot of charity work as well which I thoroughly enjoyed again I used to think that that was just fun rather than kind of giving back anything so I was the youngest MS Society committee member I think they've ever had at 10 years old they said as long as my mum was there I could do it that was fine and I really enjoyed being like a young carers representative and talking about what we'd done with the young carers project and all those kind of um, little tidbits that you pick up along the way from other young carers and sharing those. So um, I went on to do quite a lot of different charity work and to share my story with uh, one of the biggest things that I think I did really as a teenager was speak to David Cameron when he'd just come in as prime minister. So that would have been about 11 years ago. Um, And we went to Downing Street and asked him about young carers issues and challenged him on what support was there. Um, And and from that, I mean, so many things stem from that. We did a lot of... uh, speed networking with MPs, uh, helped the Open University to make their carers packages um, easier to access and to make more flexible kind of learning options. Uh, We did research with Oxford University, just a lot of things really. Um, And I think that it it really shaped, it shaped my my career as well as (laughs) my personal life. Um, And and the dynamic changed a little bit. So when I, when I was about 14 years old, my dad became quite poorly. So he's got fibromyalgia, degenerative bone disease, and kind of a few other 
a few other conditions if you just want to throw in a few um but he he was in quite a lot of chronic pain so my caring levels kind of stepped up at that age and that was when things changed a little bit and I I, I sort of ended up caring for both parents at that point um so well, you were 14 yeah so I think um, I, I think I'm pretty sure I was 14 I know it affected my GCSEs in my head but it didn't actually affect the results so I still felt um pretty pretty accomplished by the end of it but he it was it was quite a stressful situation because I felt like dad was um the one that we relied on he was obviously the breadwinner um his mum didn't work and he became quite poorly quite quickly it began with a frozen shoulder and then that was it really he was off work and and it just progressively got worse um touch wood his his health is pretty stable and he's pretty well actually now as and you know it's getting things like arthritis under control is is a godsend um so it definitely changed the dynamic. And I think that that was when I realized I was a carer. It was only really then after doing sort of years and years of helping look after mum when she had a relapse or when something happened where she wasn't quite so well. It was only when my dad became unwell that I sort of thought, no, I've, I've got some responsibilities here that other people don't, I think. And at the time, did you um, know of any uh, support that you could have? I mean, obviously, as you say, you know, you were in the, you know, the MS, um, you know, society, a part of that. So was there help there for the fact that you were a, a young carer? Although, as you say, you didn't really think of yourself like that. Did you sort of say, get get some support? So when I was about eight years old, um, my dad spoke to somebody at work who I believe was a counsellor or or somebody that supported the families in his workplace and he mentioned about the fact that uh, my mum hadn't been very well for a little while and he was worrying that it might be putting a bit of pressure on me Um, and it was almost like a throwaway comment it was just somebody that he worked with and they said well have you heard of the Young Carers Project Um, and locally they just started up a Young Carers Support Project Um, so again this is quite a few years ago now maybe about 20 years Um, and it was sort of the first of its kind in the county where we would get respite and we'd have somebody to talk to about the situation and we get to meet Mm -hmm. other young carers um, and obviously again you have to identify as a young carer in order to actually realise that those services are for you but my dad had never really considered that that I was a young carer he just worried that there was some pressure on me and on the situation that we had so to kind of um, make that leap to go yes you are a young carer um, was still a little bit difficult but actually I got a lot of solace from that service and being able to go and be a proper child for want of a better explanation Mm -hmm. that was that was what I define as my blowout time was when we used to go and do things like quad biking and laser tag and we go bowling and we do all of the things that um, you might be able to do if you didn't have the responsibilities potentially because you wouldn't be worrying necessarily about for example what's going on at home or but everybody understood each other's situation without having to talk about it and it's that identity again of feeling that you're with people who understand is a huge relief because you don't have to say well I might have to go home at some point if something happens or I'm not sure how long I can stay out or I'm worrying because actually mum wasn't very well today you mm. just are there very present for however long you can be and you enjoy something with people who understand and that was that was something that it completely changed my life I think it really enriched my life um, and it meant that actually I think I did a lot more than a lot of other children experience just because they they were able to offer things that you wouldn't necessarily be able to do budgetary wise you know really exciting things like going camping and and uh, different festivals and things it was fantastic 
So um, everything we were sort of saying earlier that, you know, you the when you were young, you didn't realise that, that this is a, you were a carer. But, um, I mean, yeah, any children listening to this, uh, this may well resonate with them. Um, and so what advice would you give to a young child? I mean, you'd hope that their parents might sort of think about the pressure on them. But if it's just the normality of the family, yeah. I can quite see how it, it, you know, that they can just carry on doing being a carer but not actually um realizing it yeah I think it's very difficult to identify a young carer partly due to the stigma that some people fear actually I think that public opinion um is mixed on young carers I think that some people um see it as a responsibility that shouldn't be there other people see it as a responsibility that children are sort of little heroes and very inspirational so I think that you if you don't want to be either a hero or scrutinized it's very difficult to identify that way um Mm. because I think that caring in itself is seen um with maybe a bit of a a a difficult light so it's not always seen as a positive Uh, thing because actually when you think about a young carer it feels like there's going to be a lot of personal care there's going to be a lot of medication like I said I was injecting my mum from eight years old that sounds terrifying to an adult but actually as eight years old you've got no fear I I I didn't I didn't I didn't realize that this was going to impact my mum if I did it wrong I just went and injected her and I did that for years and it was only when I hit about 12 or 13 I went mum I don't know if I should be doing this I'm a bit worried that I'm gonna hurt you (laughs) but for those years I was fine so I think that it's this kind of um image that young carers have because actually you don't want to be taken away from your mum dad family mm-hmm. because you've spoken out and said you're struggling and equally your parents don't want to draw attention to it if they think that you might be taken away whereas actually the support that needs to be in place is is more to do with the kind of I think opinions and that kind of you know um not not feeling like you're going to be worried about the family being split up I think that's a real that's a real challenge um and I know that from my experience with the young carers groups a lot of the young carers that I spoke with had a level of fear about things like social services you know we don't want to get anybody official involved just in Mm -hmm. case because actually we all love each other very much there's there's very rarely any toxicity there's very rarely any issues it's just this responsibility that if the right care plan is in place and the right support is in place everything could be fine anyway it's just a little bit of an extra worry and so many children face different traumas their parents might divorce they might lose a parent um, which is obviously the most drastic but there's so many things that can happen to a child that might affect them that mm. actually this is just another one of those on the list it's no different and yet I think it can be seen as and I know that I've I've been described um, as providing child labor which I completely <laughs> do not agree with um, wow. and I, our family faced a lot of scrutiny for speaking up and I can completely see why people don't want to draw attention to it we were bullied we were harassed we were told that I shouldn't have been born uh, we were told that it's child labor and that my parents were really responsible and there's so many other things that were just from us just sharing our story just talking a little bit about what I did um, and actually I dispute all of it because I never felt pressured and actually my mum's condition was very changeable so one day I might be doing something the next day I might not and that one percent of the story and that that asking for help can be the thing that actually is the scariest most mm-hmm. intense element and consequently that's all that people see they mm. only see that that one percent of I need help I can't lift my mum because she's too big can mm-hmm. somebody help me 
mm. it feels like that's going to be the the catalyst that actually breaks the family up when realistically I don't think that's the case because people don't get their families broken up unnecessarily it's just that fear that's in them because they don't want to leave that's not that's not the point you want the support mm. which is a completely mm. different mm. entity mm. So where would you suggest that as a, you know, a, a young care or their families, where can they you know, seek support if uh, you know, they, they do realise that this is a situation that, that they obviously do need to um, you know, find support for? So um, the, it, within the Care Act 2014, there was actually um, the first piece of young carers law enshrined. Mm-hmm. So um, young carers are entitled to a carers assessment. So um, this this has only been since 2014, which seems very backwards when I think that I was caring sort of from the early 2000s. And I think, gosh, has this only just happened? But um, you are, depending on your local authority area, but in Shropshire, Telford and Reeking, you would go to the council and um, go to a first point of contact or one of the different um, places that you can go to to seek help um, Mm -hmm. for from social care and social care have a different system for young carers so it would be that you would be able to go through the young carer system and in Telford and Reeking is an all-age carer centre so whatever age you are whether you're 5, 16 or even into sort of the young adult carer realms where you might be thinking about going away to university and be worrying which is another big challenge Mm -hmm. um, you can go and seek support and that that carer's assessment then highlights what kind of areas um, your family might require some support. So it could highlight, for example, maybe you're entitled to carer's allowance, which again, I didn't realise until I was 17 that I could have been claiming carer's allowances as a 16-year-old. It might be that you are entitled to some respite funding, so you can actually get some paid care for a break. So it might Mm. be just that you actually have a break. You don't even have to go anywhere, but it might be that, that somebody comes and sits with your family member, whoever it be, for a day and you just go out. Um, without mm-hmm. having to worry or it might be that you have a holiday there's sort of lots of different levels of respite funding and also getting carers in place so if there is something where you think that somebody's got um, a level of care needs that actually you do need carers in place um, whether that be again regularly or just in the morning um, or just for example in the evening to help get them to bed that's mm-hmm. something that the carers assessment will allow to put in place so I think that's the first point of call is always to try and get a carers assessment and make sure that you get your rights as a young carer and as an adult carer for that matter um, in place so that you don't feel like you're going to end up um, in a position where you can't cope anymore it's, it's yeah. nipping it in the bud I think is probably the best way and there's no shame in it well, exactly. I was going to say, you know, you, you say there, there is absolutely no shame in it and that people shouldn't be scared to go forward and, and you know, and, and seek help. Because as you were saying, it can become such a sort of norm of the family that absolutely. to actually to actually realise that, you know, you, you need help and that also you know, the family isn't going to be split up because you ask for help. Definitely. You know, that I think is, is so important to hear that, uh, uh, you know, so people don't feel, you know, don't feel worried about doing that. Absolutely. Intune Radio have a host of advertising and sponsorship packages available. To find out more, contact us at info at intune-radio.co.uk or find out more on our website. That's intune-radio.co.uk. So there's some, uh, it's sometimes a little bit difficult to actually access where the carer services are because they're so individual across um, the UK. But um, I've got some links to the relevant websites for Shropshire and Telford specifically uh, that I think you'll be putting on the website, Wayne. Yeah, absolutely. So if people want to go to, you know, all the W's, the usual, uh, intune-radio.co.uk, 
there's some links on there to relevant help and support services locally, whichever area you're in. So that's Shropshire, Telford and Reakin. Absolute pleasure to do that. Fantastic. So we're going to, there's, there's more of a grey area here as well, isn't there, with, uh, with young children and, um, you know, the distinction of them being a carer or even adults reflecting, is their child a carer or not? And, um, you know, how do we define this? How do we know when we, we need those kind of outreach services, a bit of support, someone to take us somewhere or, you know, so that we've got a bit of time to ourselves or someone to sit when do we know when what do we do I think this is one of the biggest challenges actually that young carers face really is either self-identifying or somebody picking up that they've Mm -hmm. got a responsibility that maybe other children don't Um, and I think that's partially because of the image that the word carer um, has so realistically when you hear the word carer you tend to think of either a health care assistant or a carer in a care home um, which is accurate but actually an unpaid carer can be quite a different situation so it's not necessarily lifting and shifting people and dealing with toilets and feeding them actually it might be just sitting in a house with them to make sure that they're not alone in case they fall it might be helping them to remember their medication so just saying oh mum have you taken your tablets Um, Mm -hmm. it's that added responsibility level potentially that that child might just be having to remember a bit more or be around a bit more it's not necessarily all kind of heavy um, care duties that you might have that image in your head of there's also other things again like just looking after themselves that independence if a child is fiercely independent they're kind of ironing their own clothes at a very young age for example that might be considered a little bit a bit dangerous or or they're making their own lunch for school there's all these kind of things that actually looking at and going is this because they are just very defiant um, and really want to do their own thing? (laughs) Or is this because actually they feel like they should be doing it because, you know, for whatever reason, they're struggling a little bit at home. Mum struggles to get up in the morning. Dad isn't always there. You know, dad's at different medical appointments or whatever, you know. And again, attending medical appointments, just just supporting a person um, in those ways that maybe as an adult, we wouldn't necessarily consider an added responsibility. We just consider it our duty as a human. But actually for a child, you know, they're having to think a little bit more than other children might. So... I think if you've just got that inkling, you know, you look at a child or yourself, you kind of reflect on what you're doing in your life and you go, well, actually, yeah, I guess I do do a bit of that. And, I, you know, I do sit with mum sometimes when when dad goes out or I do sit with my brother, you know, or for example, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got, again, a sibling with a, a health condition and you say, well, mum doesn't always have time for me or um, anything like that. You know, it's 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 a, it's not always those images of care that we typically have in our head it can just be that mild bit of added responsibility and it might just be that you want to meet some other people that are like you and have that responsibility and understand that sometimes you can't go out at the weekends because Mm. actually somebody needs to be at home for some hours or you can't go and get a job because you don't know whether you can actually do the job you know as much as you want to for example again you might be called away to come home so maybe not having that flexibility that other people do to live your your own life in the way that you would necessarily choose it then then it's it's just finding the right level of support for you and again that doesn't necessarily mean getting full-time carers in or your your family member going into a care home or anything like that it might just be actually that you have a bit of respite funding to have a week off a year you know and and go and do something just for you because it's just something that takes your mind off it for that period of time um and helps you to just bring yourself back to the center and 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 develop your own identity a little bit more Mm. i mean and also you mentioned uh, just then about school um 
would you recommend that uh, you know parents who uh, their their children are you know caring for them in in some degree that they should open up to the school and tell them? Do the schools have um, uh, you know um, pathways through to the support that that's out there? I think definitely one of the best places to get support really should be from the school. I know that it's right. not always uh, necessarily, it doesn't always necessarily work in the way that you would want it to, because sometimes the messages don't get through. But actually, I think I've always tried to say that honesty is the best policy with these things. And actually every carer or young carer or person with responsibilities stands up and says, this is, this is my life. I have some responsibilities it helps to readjust that image that schools have of young carers as well and helps to actually develop a more accurate image of, look, all these children have got these little added responsibilities. Um, How can we support them as a group? And schools, again, should have direct links to young carers projects. Um, And again, that depends on the area. Shropshire and Telford will be completely different. Um, But but they should be able to get in touch. Young carer services should be able to tell the schools about young care responsibilities if they're already in the system and vice versa. So schools should be able to tell young carers projects that they've got some students there that that could benefit from their support. So I think where possible, um, and I appreciate it's not always very easy and is a very difficult thing to kind of put your head above the parapet and just say, look, this is this is my life. Um, if you've got somebody who can do it on your behalf or a friend can support you to do that, um, I think that that's really beneficial for the longer term, um, your longer term benefits um, outweigh the kind of shorter term challenges generally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's it's just like I said, it's that honesty means that you can always say, look, I did tell you about this. Um, and, you know, I, I have been honest all the way through. And it's, that's that's there's a power in that um, to your life as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So I suppose, you know, I, I'm putting myself in the um, in the school shoes, if you like, I'm, you know, um, of, a, of a young person, a teenager, maybe. And they're at school and maybe. One of their friends can't be around as much at the weekends and that sort of thing. So maybe I should consider that they have some responsibility. That's not necessarily true, of course, but maybe that they have some responsibilities that they probably don't wish to impart and maybe that they can't come out as regularly or um, can't go on the school trips because they have additional responsibilities and they have, their time is probably filled with those responsibilities rather than the opportunity that some young people have as earning extra pocket money doing different chores or a paper round or whatever it might well be so we should be aware shouldn't we of what's going on around us a little bit more maybe yeah I think definitely I think the more aware that that we can all be that that not everybody's always in the same boat benefits everybody um as as well as obviously young carers I think that you know I was as a child I was always considered very serious um at school and and you know I did have friends but I couldn't go out with them like I wanted to necessarily um I didn't feel able to whether my parents felt like I should or shouldn't you know is almost besides the point I personally in myself wanted to be around and I think that you know I felt that responsibility and I felt that I wanted to be there and that was my choice but equally it did mean that other kids couldn't necessarily understand why maybe I wasn't going out for hours at the weekend or stopping out overnight and going for sleepovers or things because actually it it just felt Mm. wrong it didn't feel right for me and I think that the more kind of understanding we can all be of each other so if there are you know if you've got a friend who you think well they're not coming out as much as you know maybe I think they should um Mm -hmm. or or I don't see them very much they don't like I said don't come on school trips or they seem a bit serious actually being a little bit understanding of that and maybe you know we've got so many ways to check in nowadays use that kind of positively maybe just check in on them and say 
hey, Wayne, I, I've, <laughs> I've not seen you around for a while. Um, how are you doing? And actually, yeah. it might be that that really makes their day because people just forget about them when they're not there. Um, or they feel like they want to come out but can't. And I said, it's a lot of pressure to kind of keep inside and they might not want to share that responsibility because actually it's, it's very personal very often as well. And again, that fear of kind of being found out and social services swooping in, Mm. doing all these terrible things. It's not necessarily well founded, but it's still a fear, you know, it's still something that's there. So it might just be that the checking in is, is one of the nicest things that you can do. And I think that goes for everybody with anything anyway, Mm. you know, whatever the issue, if somebody sees seems to be struggling a little bit or just isn't engaging and you think you know can I do anything that's probably the best option really Uh, and it's just the be kind isn't it be kind Mm. whenever you can and be a bit understanding and uh, I think if any people themselves identify as young carers they go to a project and you spot somebody with similar kind of outlook or you know you're chatting to one of your friends or somebody in class and and they kind of say oh yeah well I had to stay in on Saturday mum wasn't very well and kind of say oh does that happen often and they say yes then actually maybe you can support them to kind of come along and get some of the support that you do if you're at a mm-hmm. project you know and club together be a team team of carers and support well, each exactly. other wherever you can I mean it must be quite an isolating experience you know that I mean, like you were saying before about, you know, the emotions sort of involved in being a carer, in having a parent that that uh, is having to rely on a child. There's, there's a lot of guilt involved as well uh, yeah. about the whole situation and that uh, a child can feel that, oh, I'll just keep quiet about it. Uh, and, and but therefore then be isolated and that isolation in in the midst of it all is also not healthy. Absolutely. Um, so, so as you say, you know, actually for other children to be just just noticing just be kind and, and think a bit about mm-hmm. uh, you know what what your friends might the reason your friends might be quiet or, or serious as you say definitely and I think you know, like I said that isolation once you kind of realize um that you are different whatever that reason be and in mm-hmm. this case obviously talking about being young care and thinking oh my responsibilities are different from some of the other children actually that's quite a lot of pressure and I think that you can like I said go into yourself and kind of isolate yourself almost through feeling that people won't understand. Um, and I think that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of challenges surrounding that in terms of getting back out into society and getting back out into finding people that actually, you can become very, very insular very quickly if you don't look actually at some levels of support that are right for you. So I remember going around school actually, and there'd be sort of a handful of people in school that went to the Young Carers Project. And we wouldn't necessarily hang around together in school. We used to hang out with different people, but actually there was a sense of of calmness and of um, being comrades in arms almost where you you would be able to sort of smile at each other in the hall and give each other a nod and there was an understanding there that you had a relationship outside of this space that was one that that brought you a lot of kind of there's a trust and an empathy Mm. and an understanding Mm. that you don't necessarily get from your friends even though it's all you know your friends and you go and you do things together whenever you can and and you know you're in class together but actually those friends those young carers those people that understand you've got a different relationship with them all together and I remember feeling a real sense of tranquility when I was with other young carers it really brought me back down from kind of that responsibility and that being hyper aware and being very acutely kind of um 
just just acutely aware of what was going on around mm. me all the time and that kind of angst and it just took took that away because I didn't have to think about what I was saying I didn't have to worry everybody knew if something happened then it was no big deal it's just it was just part of our lives and it was just a group of people that that um and we were all so different as well like I said we wouldn't necessarily hang around in school together yeah, yeah. but actually to just have that the group of people that understand we could all have a really good laugh together and just really let go and let loose and it was it really is something that shaped me as much as actually being a young carer did was getting the right support definitely I think that is fabulous it's such a, a really really helpful thing to hear I mean I personally know of, of uh, you know a young carer and uh, and you know you just saying about that tranquil feeling of, of having support even if it's as you say you know a smile in the corridor at school just somebody else understanding mm, and um yeah I, I think that's that's a really great great thing for you to be saying yeah it's the unwritten kind of rules of yeah, what happens at young carers stays at young carers <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, you know, no, nobody kind of wants to talk about it outside of that because it's it's that is young carers is for young carers so when you yeah. go to the young carers project that you're there for that and actually that specific piece of time when you are in those groups together when you are being really who you are and not mm-hmm. kind of who you are um, which is I think young carers spend a lot of time walking around in society hiding just a little portion of themselves. They might be mostly yep. who they are and they might still be, you know, um, quite extroverted or introverted book readers and, you know, have their own personalities. But actually there's just this little streak that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of might be hidden from society. And then when you go to a Young Carers Project, that streak is just allowed to flow free and all of a sudden you're, you know, behaving in a very odd manner compared to what everybody normally sees as a very serious person or knee sliding through the mud and uh, my mum used to say if I didn't come back muddy then I hadn't had a good time and that was right through until I was about 16 or 17 so uh, it never ended (laughs) I was going to say that um you know again trying to put myself in in a similar position those kind of um you would imagine some children may feel like um overly uh, uh pressured if you like, and therefore keep some of that information back from their normal circle of friends and people who know them because um, maybe they feel that it has, their role now has developed momentum and they are doing more than what they thought and also their friends don't do it. So maybe because they do it, they could be perceived to be a little bit strange or odd or, you know, so I would imagine people, young people will keep some of this information back because they don't want to be the, uh, the, the red hat amongst the blacks in the room. You know, they, they, they want to keep things under wraps and, and probably shy away from that kind of attention because they don't want the spotlight on them. They're doing it because they love their relative and it's the role that they want to do. Um, and they just want to get on with their lives, like you've said. You know, they don't want to kind of make anything of it. They just want to crack on. And I think that that's a huge element, actually, is something that I've considered a lot because obviously I've been a young carer since, like I said, I could walk. It was very much my identity, not necessarily intentionally, but I think there's a real there's a real challenge of developing your own identity separate to your caring role if you're not careful. So I think it's really important for me personally, and I think 
for a lot of other young carers that I've kind of spoken with and we've developed bonds and we still talk now, it's really important to have the carer and the Sarah. It's important to have those mm. two separate elements. And actually sometimes, for example, in school, you might not want to share that information with your friends because you don't want to be the carer. You know, you're happy to be the Sarah there and actually you want to develop your own image and your own interests and your own thoughts and feelings that are not related to your caring role. And I think that's actually very important because you don't want to be necessarily tied down by that being the the number one identifying Mm. factor that you have Mm. for the rest Mm. of your life, which I very much felt there was a, there was a huge challenge when I hit about 16 or 17, when I was no longer a young carer. And I really thought, who am I? Because that's been such an integral part of my identity. Where do I go now? And thankfully I've, I feel like over the last sort of 10 years, I have developed my own life, my own personality. And actually I don't live at home anymore. You know, we, I bought a house with my partner. I have developed a life. I work full time. Yes, mm-hmm. I still have caring responsibilities, but that's inherently my point is that you can have caring responsibilities and still have a normal life that, mm. that if nothing else, mimics what other people expect of a normal life. Yes. And, and I think that the skills that you can gain far outweigh the negative impacts as long as you get the right support. And wasn't there a, a recent report actually released that where it did, it actually did talk about um, benefits of having responsibility like this when you're younger. And actually it, it does, and it can stand you in very good stead once you reach adulthood. Yeah. And I definitely think that there was, uh, I think that report discussed about resilience and being able to manage yes. uncertainty. And I think um, going through uncertain times, you will definitely find that the best person to have on side is somebody who is a young carer, um, whether <laughs> they realise it or not, because they generally thrive in a crisis. Um, and OK, you might feel it afterwards. Like I always say, I kind of have boom and bust. I thrive and then I know that I'm going to have some downtime after that. But actually, I still don't feel like the downtime represents the level of you know it's just kind of like a a decompress you know you have a level of right I just need to bring myself back to center and I still consider myself an extremely resilient individual who has managed to you know get to where I am today through kind of being able to manage that uncertainty and being able to just kind of plow through uh challenges that maybe other teenagers and sort of people in their 20s might have gone oh gosh what is this I don't know Mm. how to I don't know how to cope with this and actually Mm. I've gone nah I'd be all right just plough through well, exactly yeah. you, you, and, and you rely on that kind of experience and if you could do it when you were eight you could do it now you know um, exactly absolutely it's That's... absolute shining light for the the situation and I know that as well I've got some uh, resources from the carers trust website that actually helps young carers to detail their um, skills that they picked up through being a young carer so there's a carer's kind of postcard and a full journal depending on what kind of time you have but actually those are, are skills that you can take into later life and you can put on a CV um, mm-hmm. and that you can actually share with potential employers with with universities places that you're applying for an education those are valuable skills that that cannot go unnoticed and and you know I really encourage young carers and young adult carers to make a record of those skills because they are skills that other people might not have developed until a lot later in life you know there's there's kind of this early level of development I think of building that resilience and that kind of organizational skills and and you know I'm I am literally the most organized person I know it's it's insane it's it's actually (laughs) it's just everything is on my calendar you know never forget anything and I but I really attest a lot of that to have to be one step ahead just in case 
And, and I love it. I think it makes my life so much easier. So mm. I think if you can record those kind of skills as well, I think that that's a real benefit to, for you as well as an individual being able to go, look what I have done. And I, I am, you know, it's, it's again about a self-worth level of um, mm. understanding to go, I am picking up skills. Okay, I might not be doing a Saturday job or I might not be doing you know, things that other people are, but actually I'm still gaining skills that are going to help me in later life. And that's Massive. a really important thing. Yeah. And and also, you know, I don't think you could get much better skills. And actually, if you are compassionate and, um, you know, you, you've got uh, an element of reflection uh, and strategy coping mechanisms, you know, the, the, it's really rounding that kind of emotional intelligence, if you like, of a young person. Far more than, you know, don't get me wrong, paper rounds or washing cars or whatever it might well be are, are good uh, ways of, 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 of gaining new skills and, and learning on the job. But that emotional intelligence will stand you in good stead as you grow uh, and mature. So um, it's really great advice and something to reflect on. And, and as well, if people need access to the journals, that's on our website as well. We've got um, links on our website. That's intune-radio.co.uk. Sarah has very kindly provided all the information and links, etc. So it's all at your fingertips. Sarah, thank you for, for uh, joining us today. You've been um, very open and very um, um, uh, concise and engaging and encouraging of people that might be going through what you went through and, you know, you're a reflection of how you've come through it and how successful you are. So there is, um, there is light at the end of the tunnel if people are feeling bad or down, Absolutely. but there is help and services out there. That doesn't mean that the, your world is going to change. It just means that you can get a bit of a break, you know, Absolutely. and go off and enjoy different things as you should be doing if you're young and you're caring for a loved one. Sarah's been amazing, hasn't she? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've really, really enjoyed talking to you, Sarah. I think it's fabulous. And as I say, my takeaway from this is that, that, you know, people shouldn't, you know, children should not be feeling worried about it, that they, you know, they should be able to open up and, uh, you know, say what they do, be proud of what they do. Yes. Um, You know, and not be ashamed of it, not feel guilty about it, but, but also to find the support that's there. And as you were saying about, you know, the young carers, that, that you know, to go out and have some fun and, and, you know, be with other people who are going through the same thing. I think that's so important. So thank you so much, Sarah. It's been great. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be useful for at least a few people um, to have that. Absolutely. Insight. I'm sure it will. I'm <laughs> it, sure will. it will. It will. Oh, and one thing on my mind, you had a little saying that you told us about before we aired. Um, it was brilliant in it or something. What was... uh, is it the get better or bitter? Oh, that was oh. it. Yes, that, that was it. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. I, yeah, you choose to either get better or get bitter. And, and uh, I, I choose uh, not to be bitter. Wonderful. <laughs> Absolutely great and advice. great advice for everyone about everything. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that, that cascades through the whole of society. <laughs> either bitter, better, you make the choice. Yeah. Uh, you, you decide which yeah. bridge you cross. But, yeah, you can uh, have but, a bitter day if you want, but try and keep with the better side. Yeah, we all <laughs> have bitter days, but then yeah. we get back on the better one, don't we? Yeah, so, um, exactly. wonderful. Sarah, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Intune Radio have a host of advertising and sponsorship packages available. To find out more, contact us at info at intune-radio.co.uk or find out more on our website, that's intune-radio.co.uk. 
Well, I thought that was so interesting. Uh, even listening back to it again, it was wonderful to talk to Sarah uh, during the interview. And so we really hope that we have, um, you know, spread some information out there Yeah, absolutely. You. And as we said on the throughout the interview, people can find the information on the Intune website. That's intune-radio.co.uk. Next absolutely. The next track we have is from a local musician who is Tiny Towers, otherwise known as Simon Alton, and uh, a track that he has written himself called Mission Impossible. Uh And Mission Impossible, I know, is about, um, I should say, not exactly the current times, because hopefully we're we're moving forward about things, Um, but he did write it in lockdown. Um, It's a cheery song. It's uh, just sort of reflective about the times. Yes, wonderful. And then following Tiny... We've got Joe Cooper from the Shropshire Community Foundation competition. And this is open to all residents, the community, through the wider area of Shropshire, Telford and Reekin. Um, And there's three prizes, monetary prizes that are on offer. And this is a competition that's been incredibly popular in Staffordshire. And the Community Foundation have brought it um, over into Shropshire And I think you should listen in because I think it's uh, really great in terms of how they're going about rewarding initiatives uh, in society during lockdown and COVID. Mm -hmm. Obviously, which have there have been a number, so yeah, yeah, definitely worth you know listening to that. Uh, We then have uh, Paula Pierce from the Women's Institute, uh, who's going to talk about a really rather a fun um, uh, enterprise, uh, which is the Shropshire Way Challenge. It's about uh, making uh, making scarves, uh, basically making scarves from from crochet or wool or whatever you like, um, and then donating them to charity afterwards. It's a uh, an enterprise in order to uh, alleviate um loneliness and and boredom uh during a lockdown really uh, so anyway so that is paula pierce from the women's institute excellent so let's uh, let's get back into the next section and kick it off with tiny towers mission impossible absolutely Can you remember the time when we loved this place? Can you remember the lines on your best friend's face? I know it's hard to believe, but things are gonna be fine Thing that we've got plenty of this time So stop Stop But don't stop trying Is this mission impossible? Is this mission impossible? Is this Mission Impossible Mission 
between the lightning flash and the roll. The trouble is you don't know how long it will last before you know it. Those awesome storm clouds have passed. So stop. Coping is this mission impossible? 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 Mission impossible Radio have a host of advertising and sponsorship packages available. To find out more, contact us at info at intune-radio.co.uk or find out more on our website, that's intune-radio.co.uk. Joe Cooper, Business Development Officer from uh, the Community Foundation of Shropshire, is working on a competition for Shropshire's Outstanding Community. And the foundation is running the competition for the first time. Even though we still are coming out of the restrictions of COVID, they want to hear of your fabulous stories within the community. Joe is here to tell us more. Joe, welcome. Thanks for sparing time. Tell us more. Thank you for having me on. So Shropshire's Outstanding Community is a competition and initiative that we've launched that is to offer communities within the county of Shropshire to be recognised and to celebrate the strong, supportive community spirit. So whether that's a community within a town, village, a street or a housing development or a block of flats, uh-huh. we want to shine a light where people come together to support each other. Uh, a community of people that have developed a safe and thriving environment in which they live. Wow. So, uh, presumably, that, that's quite a wide um, uh, pitch, if you like. You know, um, it's going to probably consider individuals that have done specific tasks or, or groups that have come together. Um, you know, what kind of things do we, do we consider to be um, an outstanding community that you'd like to hear from? 
So whilst it's uh, it's been difficult to, we understand, for communities to come together as much during uh, the COVID restrictions, what we are aware of that's been going on in communities is things such as food banks and uh-huh. um, ensuring that the communities in which they live, people aren't isolated. And whilst that's been difficult, we do know that the support's been there and that's showing a real community spirit. And they're, they're the kind of things that we really want to seek out and celebrate. We want to showcase communities that uh, to, that work together like that and if someone's doing something uh, uh, you know more independent uh, or, or the you know individuals that are probably provided a lifeline to some degree to neighbors and friends is, is that something that um, would be applicable also absolutely so uh, a representative from the community uh, in who, who are wanting to enter the competition would pull together some good news stories and really highlight what's what's been going on where they live. It may be an individual, or it may be a, a family, it could uh-huh. be a local business. Yes. It's all about just uh, really identifying where people have gone above and beyond really for, for where for their community. Wow. Okay. And uh, you know, lots of above and beyond has been happening you know let's face it through covid so i'd imagine there's lots of people out there as you say that are working within businesses or uh, independently within their communities of those good news stories to tell and could enter this competition how do people go about that so we have a, a website which is uh, outstanding.community simple as that just a few words outstanding.community where there's a either a form that they can download and complete an email in or there's an online entry form which is quite straightforward and that will help identify um what sort of information they could enter really there are sort of boxes and that will help on that journey and enter in the competition and there's prizes of first second third prize i believe for the absolutely So our first prize would be a thousand pounds, which has to be spent to benefit the community in which they've entered, uh-huh. and a plaque, a plaque which uh, the community can display wherever they choose. Second prize would be five hundred pounds and a certificate, and third would be two hundred and fifty pounds and a certificate. Again, the, pr- the cash prizes are to benefit the community. Yes. And this is a competition, it's very similar to one that's been incredibly popular in Staffordshire, I believe. Absolutely. The, the competition in Staffordshire has been running since 1956, so wow. quite a historical competition now. And uh, We want to give Shropshire the same opportunity to do something very similar. It is very popular and uh, year in, year out, we welcome back new communities and, and the same as well who have been entering for years. And I suppose from those people that, as you say, that have entered for over a period of time, are really kind of interested to to hear about what's happening in other uh, smaller towns or villages within uh, Staffordshire, let's say, and therefore kind of think, oh, we should be probably doing something like this and maybe we'll enter next year and and so on. Presumably the competition is there for this is the first time and it's going to run like it does in Staffordshire. Yes, it will be an annual competition now going forward. And we we look forward to, to to having entries from as many communities as possible in Shropshire. Uh, yeah, so really excited. <laughs> and hopefully I get to come out, out and, um, you know, visit some of these communities in person and, and see what they've been doing. 
Yeah, I mean, that would be amazing. And obviously, as uh, things move forth uh, through COVID restrictions and things become a little bit more relaxed, as you say, you've got more more time to go out and meet um, and greet with some of those entrants that have entered. So presumably, there's a, there's a nice bit of uh, ongoing PR for the work that people are doing, never mind the fact of whether they win first, second or third prizes. Yeah, absolutely. We, we would like to... Um sort of highlight as much as possible of what's going on and if we can use information from the communities who enter to 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 highlight all, all of the fabulous work that's going on in troubled times i mean you know it's absolutely yeah. absolutely that's what i was trying to say <laughs> i'm with you joe yeah, absolutely um Joe, it's a, such a worthwhile uh, thing for people to get involved with. And it's really refreshing to understand that, you know, the foundation has formed and is working hard to, you know, even through these troubled times to get out there and with some outreach positivity, you know, that people can join in and celebrate what's, you know, been a real dark time for a lot of people. But, you know, this is a, a silver lining on the cloud and hopefully we continue to come out of you know, restrictions and COVID, et cetera, and people can go on and, and enter the competition and lots of wonderful PR on the back of it as well. And we know we know from supporting Shropshire for a number of years now um, through awarding funding, I think in Shropshire we've given away, actually, well, we've awarded a million pounds since 2016. And that, so we are aware of the fantastic work that goes on in Shropshire. Now it's yes. a case of getting right into the heart of those communities and um, and really being able to to highlight them and shine a light on them. Wow, wonderful, Joe! Thank you for joining us. People can find out more and enter. I believe is it Shropshire dot Foundation. It's outstanding dot community for the competition page. Yes, the foundation page is Shropshire dot Foundation. We have an email address which is Shropshire at outstanding dot community. Or you can pick up the phone and speak to me on 01743-295-900. Wow. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for coming, spending some time and coming on and letting us know. And we're going to touch base to see how the competition's going. And we'll have you back on to see who the winners are. I mean, it's just amazing. (laughs) Brilliant. That'll be wonderful. Thank you. (laughs) Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye. Intune Radio have a host of advertising and sponsorship packages available. To find out more, contact us at info at intune-radio.co.uk or find out more on our website, that's intune-radio.co.uk. So today I'm so pleased to be talking to Paula Pierce, who is with us from the Shropshire Federation Women's Institute. And so without further ado, please tell us a little bit about yourself, Paula. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, I'm Paula Pierce. I'm a trustee for Shropshire Federation Women's Institute. Um, the Women's Institute in Shropshire has got approximately 120 WIs in it. Mm-hmm. Um, my role on the board is um, general dog's body, really. Um, <laughs> I do things with digital, I do things with the media, and um, also I'm climate ambassador for the Shropshire Federation. We have a climate subgroup, which is blossoming really at the moment um and 
just just during lockdown, I decided we would do something for loneliness and mental health, which is why I came up with the idea of doing the Shropshire Way Challenge. Exactly. That's exactly what we're going to talk about today is the Shropshire Way Challenge. And so um, so it was all your idea then? Um Kind of. I'm hmm. admin on a Facebook group called the Unofficial WI, where we, WIs from all over the country, tell each other what they're up to, have a bit of fun, meet friends. Um, and on there, I'd seen that somewhere in Derbyshire, they'd done um, one a walk in Derbyshire, obviously. I can't even remember which it is now off the top of my head. They've done that, making scarves the length of that. So I thought, you know what, let's bring something a bit more south of the uh, country and get involved. But I didn't want it just a WI thing. I wanted to try and extend it to uh, communities, individuals, different groups in the community um, and also other WI federations. Um, Mm -hmm. So I advertised it, set up a Facebook group, and from there it's blossomed really. You know, we've got more people involved all over the country. Oh, fantastic. So tell us a bit more about it. So it's it's, um, people, do do they donate the scarves or do they make scarves? Say, tell us a bit more about what it actually is. Okay, so what we, we decided to do is have scarves which are 60 inches by 6 inches because that was the average adult scarf size. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is approximate. I've had scarves anything from sort of 50 inches up to 150 inches Doctor Who type scarves. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're lovely, lovely, warm, cosy scarves. And what we would do was we would send them to different charities, really for the homeless, if possible Um, and as it's grown we've decided we would do that in Shropshire but as it's grown we've got people literally all over the country doing this so what I've suggested is if you have um, a local group give me your lengths the dimensions of your scarves names of people who've done it how many you've done I'll keep a tally but then donate to charities in your particular area so we've got people in Lancashire we've got people in Hereford Wales literally honestly all over the country and then I've just said a message today to say when they were talking to their friends in Australia they're going to have a go and donate over there as well that's fantastic so, sorry, the Shropshire Way is about 190 miles long. 190 miles, yes, which gives us uh, about 200,000 scarves altogether. Wow. However, in my mind, I was thinking, if I related that to the Women's Institute, if every member knitted a scarf, it would it would make up. Now, obviously, we have non-knitters, we have people who are not crafters, but people are making dozens of scarves, so it's not... You know, that was just in my mind, equating it to the amount of WI members we've got. Um, I've had one lady um, who lives in Brosley. She's up to 30 scarves now. Another lady in Bridge North who's done over 50 scarves. The plan has always been that as soon as I've got a nice bulk of scarves, I would straight away give it out to charity because obviously the months have been so cold and it, I mean, even in the night now, it's freezing out there and I can't think of anything worse than, I can't think of anything worse than being cold. So being unable to find some warmth must just be horrendous. So get the scarves and get them that straight out as soon as we can. Absolutely. And and um, 
how many have you had so far? How far along the Shropshire Way are we? <laughs> oh gosh, not very far at the moment. Um, I know I've got a lot of people in progress and they haven't come in yet. People have stored them at home or they've kept their groups. So I, I don't know actually how many are out. I've I've handed out over a mile now um, of scarves to, to, well, to three charities. And I've got, I've got, my car boot is always rammed either with wool or with scarf. So I've got absolutely loads in my boot. There's some at the office and the house just looks a complete tip with, with things all over the place. But, you know, we're getting somewhere with it. And uh, like you were saying, obviously they're uh, they're knitted, but have you had anybody as crocheted instead? Because I mean, yes, yes, crocheted. I am. I'm. Well, I can knit and I can crochet, um, but I do crochet. So the majority of my, well, all of mine have been crocheted. But we've had both, and we've also had people who've made them out of fabric and lined them with fleece. So whatever your craft. We'll take the scarves. Oh, fantastic. Um, and have you got any sort of, uh, well, I was going to say that actually the, the well-being of, of people in lockdown has, has really been uh, important as well for this challenge, hasn't it? Because, I mean, as we know, a lot of people have been taking up crafting. They've been perhaps learning how to knit or, or starting to knit again because they used to years ago. And actually having a project and, and, a, and a good thing to, to work towards uh, must have been really helpful to a lot of people. Have you got any particular sort of stories about anyone in particular that you've heard from that have been, um, you know, been particularly helped by this? Well, I don't know if you know, the, the WI, we have resolutions every year which are voted by members. And in the past, two of them have been, and they're big ones for me. Um, I'm on the public affairs team for National, and it's something very close to my heart, are loneliness, tackling loneliness and um, improving mental health. So I know that research shows that crafting is is good for your mental health. And also, because... Be- especially with lockdown people live on their own and haven't been able to see people I've had so many lovely letters and cards from people saying things like um you know they live on their own they've not got out but they feel like they're part of something so doing this has given them something to do for a reason and that's really been really nice to hear about you know it's just lovely to know that I haven't done anything I've just come up with an idea and people have just rolled with it and it's it's made such a difference to them. I've had a lady contact me from a scout group and said she wants to get the scouts learning to knit. So would would I mind if they joined in? And obviously, no, that, that's fabulous for me because getting young people involved, A, with crafting, but also they see what the WI do. We're not just making jam and wearing pearls. We're not that isn't the WI anymore. Um, I want people to see that side of us as well, which was another reason why I wanted this out in the community to see actually what we do and we will work with whoever wants to help. Um, It's it's just been so lovely and heartwarming to see people have said, oh, I've got some wool for you. Can you come and pick it up? So I've said, yeah, okay, expecting half a dozen balls of wool. And when I've got there, they've said to me, there's a lot and while there has been a lot trying to close my boot afterwards was just where am I going to put this but honestly as soon as the wall has come in it's gone back out to to crafters um so I kind of am I'm traveling here there and everywhere dropping off and picking up wool um and that's happened several times people have said oh I've got some wool for you and it's been 
far more than I could ever expect and I can't I just can't convey my gratitude and I just can't believe people can be so kind that's that's really been a wake-up call for me it's been lovely to see people want to get involved mm. they used to craft they've got all this wool stash but don't do anything anymore I mean I'm I am a bit of a wool hoarder myself and it's made me think right this is ridiculous use all these bits of wool up now what I'm keeping because one day I'm going to use that piece of wool Mm. so I've used it I have been really good and it's helped me um, declutter a little bit as well (laughs) yes absolutely it's another thing people have been doing haven't they busy doing that so if um, people listening would like to be involved um, I mean we will put the details on our uh, Facebook page uh, for people to look at but can you just tell us uh, your contact details if, if anyone is either interested in donating wool or if they're interested in actually um, knitting uh, a scarf and joining in that way. Um, so yeah, what are your contact details? So my email address is all lowercase. It's paula.ps and it's P-I-E-R-C-E and it's at hotmail.co.uk. So you can email me that way. We have a Facebook group, the Shropshire <laughs> Way Scarf Challenge. That's on Facebook. You can get in touch with us that way. And, and that's page is really for you know every time I've got some scarves in I've been taking photos so people can see what others are doing if people have got a nice pattern they want to share with somebody else pop that on there and that's that's a nice community group so everybody knows what's going on where we're up to things like that um and that yeah just contact me via email really is the best way so then, Paula, if people are interested in joining the WI, which I'm sure they will be, uh, as you say, it isn't all uh, you know jam in Jerusalem anymore at all. How do they get in touch? You're completely right. Um, every WI is completely different. Um, and actually, a lot of the WIs in Shropshire have been continuing having meetings like we're doing on Zoom at the moment and just doing what they would have done prior to um, lockdown so that's been great we've just seen the same speakers and things um, so if you are interested in joining you can join up straight away um, Shropshire Federation WI our telephone number is 01743 461 646 and the email there is enquiries at wi-shropshire.co.uk Now, there is a website, there's a national website, which is www.wi.org.uk. And if you, wherever you live in the country, if you have a look in there, you put your postcode in and it tells you where your nearest WI is. So that's that's quite a good resource. And also to see what what is happening in the WI, because we do a lot of campaigns and um, different projects all over the country. So that's that's a really good resource to look at. Absolutely. Fantastic. Right. Well, it's been great to talk to you, Paula. I've really enjoyed learning all about uh, the uh, the Shropshire Way Challenge. Um, and thank you so much. Uh, say all those information uh, can also be found on our um, Facebook page. And um, thank you so much, Paula. Intune Radio have a host of advertising and sponsorship packages available. To find out more, contact us at info at intune-radio.co.uk or find out more on our website, that's intune-radio.co.uk. So, 
hopefully you have found that really interesting about Paula Pierce and the uh, the Shropshire Way challenge. Wow. Uh, get your knitting needles out. Get them out. <laughs> That's all I can say. Yeah. Stop clicking. <laughs> <laughs> exactly stop or crocheting or or sewing um and yeah get those scarves off to off to paula wonderful uh, as as i said in the uh, the interview uh links uh will be on our website and our facebook page uh, if you want to get involved with that challenge okay so yeah. we have come to the end of the show i'm afraid haven't we we have yeah it's that the time absolutely flies by and um, you know thank you to everybody that's been part of the show all of the local bands and musicians that have taken the you know time out and sent us tracks and that sort of stuff that's just phenomenal thank you so much and everyone that we've interviewed Derin they're brilliant aren't they they are they really are I mean as I say you know we said earlier about the interest that we have had in Intune Radio has has just been phenomenal uh, we've got so many people that are hoping to be interviewed um, uh, yeah, you know charities and businesses etc um, so if, if you do want to become involved as well the links are on our website aren't they Wayne? They certainly are and also excitingly uh, as well I mean there's so much happening that um, there are so many people that want to uh, that want to be interviewed and are, are kind of waiting uh, to some degree. We're getting other people involved, aren't we, Darren? We are. We are. So if you're really bored with the sound of, of Wayne's voice and my voice, uh, <laughs> fear not. There are more voices on their way. <laughs> more voices on their way, and also the the shows we're going to do, probably be doing some shorter shows so that we can get through the amount of wonderful people that have so many wonderful things to say that they're doing in uh, Shropshire, Telford and Reekin, so that we can let you know who they are, what they're doing. You can listen to the show, listen to some more local bands and some great music more regularly as we move towards broadcasting 24-7 in the summer. I know, I know. I never, ever imagined we'd be able to do this. Um, And that will be uh, all sorts of music. Um, obviously, local bands still will be uh, in the mix, but uh, yeah, they'll they'll just be uh, all sorts of genres. Well, absolutely. I mean, we're going to have a commercial radio license. We're going to be playing some great music for your office, but in the mix as well. We're not forgetting our local bands. So, if you're all in a local band, please continue to forward your wonderful music. Um, and if you're releasing any tracks commercially, we'd love to be. Uh, the station behind that uh, that release. Um, so please continue to consider Intune Radio. And um, it's just, you know, as we've said before, but we'll continue to say, the response from everyone in Shropshire has been amazing. And we're so excited about this next phase, filtering through to becoming a live broadcasting 24-7 radio station in the heart Absolutely. of Shropshire. Sounds wonderful. Yes, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. So we better say cheerio, everybody. Thank cheerio. you so much for listening <laughs> to us. And yeah, we're going to go. We're going to go out with Brad Hunter and his track, Binoculars.
Stained with patterned leaves We long to be free Subtle arguments She's a victim of her greed She don't see what we see Too long as it been Old friend, be free Oh, come on Dry your eyes, I'll make you Radio have a host of advertising and sponsorship packages available. To find out more, contact us at info at intune-radio.co.uk or find out more on our website that's intune-radio.co.uk.